music. So we want to continue praising the Lord in our study. And this week we're on uh, the book Christian Service by Ellen White. We're in chapter three, and the subchapter is the test, the test to be met, the test to be met. And I think most of us who have done any kind of study, we know that in the last days, there will be plenty of testing going on. The testing and trying time is called. So we want to find out some things about this from our servant, Sister White, the prophet, the Lord's servant. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for being with us. Once again, we pray for your Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. Thank you for everyone. Uh, interested and desirous of studying to know more of thee and also of what the plans are that you've shared with us for the end time events that are upon us. Be with us, dear Lord. Help us to be servants of God and friends to man in all that we do. May we exemplify you in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. All right. So Amen. we're on the, the test to be met. What test do you think it is? Is it like an ACT test? Or, SAT, a pop quiz, what type of test is this chapter talking about? I think when I think of when I hear about a test and we're talking about God, I think it's testing our faith. Are we going to stay on the course of being faithful and doing God's will? Or are we going to be shaken and do man's will? Hmm. That's excellent. Excellent answer. Anyone else? What type of test is it that we're going to have to meet? I think Patsy said it. Um, it's whether we're going to obey the laws of God or we're going to obey man. So, yeah. is this a, is this the type of test we can study for? Oh yeah, I think no, so. no. It takes the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, and it's a lifetime process. Yeah, but I think it is something we can study for. We can study the Word of God because by beholding Jesus in the pages of the Holy Writ. That's one of the ways that we can become changed. And so um, I think it's important. And that's why the word says, study to show thyself approved, the workman, um, rightly dividing the word. I, I may be saying this backwards. You need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. So um, yeah, I mean, we are encouraged to study. We are encouraged to um, know what God requires of us. How would we know, how else would we know what the Holy Spirit, like like Patsy said, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But how would we know what the work of the Holy Spirit is unless we got into the word to see the examples of some of the faithful people that let the Lord lead them? By those examples, I think, is the studying that we need to do to find out what it is and how we need to give it over to the Holy Spirit. Other than that, we wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what this chapter is talking about. And um, every one of you is correct. Patsy brought in the Holy Spirit. Karen mentioned about, yes, we can do some things to show ourselves approved. And you mentioned also that otherwise we won't know, you know, what to look for. So that's very true. And it is something that's coming upon us very quickly, I believe, this shaking testing time. And it's so sad that so many of us are really asleep. You know, this is also tough called the time of Laodicea, where the church family is asleep and not recognizing that this time is right upon us. And it says in this chapter, in the last solemn work, 
few great men will be engaged. It says they are self-sufficient, independent of God, and he cannot use them. So being self-sufficient, being independent of God, he can't do anything with you because you think you know everything. It's kind of funny, you know, many of us have grandchildren and it's kind of funny here they are age four or six or eight or nine. They think they know everything, right? <laughs> and it's just kind of funny uh, for us to know that. Uh, Paula wants to dial in number. Karen, would you uh, send that to her, please? The dial in number. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to go out and grab it. because Also, Ella Carol, the mm -hmm. comment too, and I, I agree with what uh, Brother Andre and, and Sister Karen is saying, but too, I often think that when you talk about the test to be made, there are people that have studied, and like Andre said, study to show yourself approved, but the sharing of the message, I think that's a test too. Are you going to get out there and share the message? Are you going to say, I got mine, and if they ain't reading, that's, that's their fault. <laughs> if they go to hell or if they lose, you know what I'm saying? You got some that have so much knowledge, but to ask them to share it, it's like, and I don't know whether the pandemic brought that kind of mentality that, I, you know, it's the pandemic, I don't have to do nothing. But you could have picked up the phone and shared your knowledge through the phone. Or, you know, but I, I just think, you know, we're getting to the point now we have so much knowledge in our Adventist churches very few are willing to share that knowledge for somebody that may not know that. And it's like, well, they could be, they, they need to get the book, you know, they'll give them books and stuff if they don't get it. But, you know, what about just actually talking to them and seeing where they're at and say, well, you know, sister, this might help you out. And I, the reason why I kind of thought about that was when I, Lakita, we talked last night about some ways, you know, to, to help your body heal. And I thought this was good information that she shared with me. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. And we're going to find out a little bit more about that exact thing about um, the light that people have. But God can't use self-sufficient, independent people because they already think they know everything. And it's like the old Chinese proverb, how can you taste my cup of tea when your cup is already full? and overflowing. You can't get any more in there because you already think you know everything. And God can't use those type of people. Uh, how does he say we should come to him as little what? Children. Children. Willing to learn, open to information, and looking towards someone to guide them. That's how we have to come to the Lord. And Andre, you mentioned about how we don't know, you know, who's uh, who's going to make it and who's not. It says also the Lord has faithful servants who in the shaking testing time will be disclosed of you. We don't know who they are right now, but when there's time of trouble comes, when the testing shaking time comes, it will be revealed. And the Lord has precious people. He says, not of this fold yet, but when that time comes, they're going to be revealed. They have not bowed the knee to Baal or they are continuing to follow the life that God has given them. And then also, Patsy mentioned about how the church has a lot of light. There are people out there in the world who have not, they have not had this, this amount of light that God has put upon this church, but they're still faithful to what they know. And then there are those who have been bathed under the light of the prophet of God, 
and they refuse to listen, refuse to follow it, refuse to share it with others, refuse to even acknowledge it. And that's just kind of bad. You know, it sounds really bad to say that, that this light of the gospel has been shining upon the church family in a concentrated blaze of sin. But you know, the genuine character is going to be revealed. Has that light, has that light, uh, have you allowed that light to change you? Have you allowed that light to shape you? Have you allowed that light to prepare you for this time that's coming? Or are you just taking it all for granted and holding it to yourself and saying to others, hey, I got mine, you better get yours. What type of Christian witness is that? Any thoughts on the light being shown upon us? Well, you know, I think it shows the selfishness and selfishness is not a characteristic that God had at all. Mm -mm. How many crowns, how many stars in your crown are you going to have if you have that attitude? You get yours and I get mine. <laughs> I have many. And it says there'll be no stars. What you going to do, crowns, reach, right? wait, reach, reach over in somebody else's crown and say, I'm taking yours because you ain't going to be there to get your crown. <laughs> I hope it don't come to that, right? <laughs> and now it's interesting you mentioned the stars, Andre. The next sentence on that first paragraph says, in the daytime, we look toward heaven, but we don't see the stars, right? Any of us has had that experience. You look up in the sky right now, you don't see any stars, but they're there. Just like we don't see who's going to be faithful during the time of trouble, who's going to show that trust and dependence on the Lord that's needed, but they're there. The Holy Spirit knows where they are. You know, it says, uh, but when the nighttime comes, then we behold that genuine luster. When you think about it, think about people that you know, when, uh, when a situation comes up that causes some pain, some suffering, then you can see their real true character, right? When, when everything is going great, everybody looks like a star. But when the time, when it turns dark and things aren't going the way that you like, that's when your real character begins to shine. And it's going to be that when the time of trouble and the time of shaking, that's when the true character of God is going to come out in people. And we're going to be looking, thinking, wow, I didn't know this person loved the Lord like that. Or, wow, I didn't know. I needed more, you know, needed more dependence on God and more trust like that. So we don't want to wait until that time, you know, as was mentioned, now's the time where we can study to show ourselves approved. Now's the time where we can build up that dependence and that trust that's going to take us through the time of trouble. And then the next paragraph says the time is not far distant when the test will come to how many souls? Every soul. Everybody's going to be tested. Why does God have to test everyone? Because he don't want sin to occur again up in heaven. If, you, if there's one little thing that you have done and you haven't repented for it, that could be the little thing that, that keeps you out of heaven. And let me give you an example. You know, in the Sabbath school lesson, it talked about, you know, your refrigerator. You know, I'm just some... Uh, just summarizer, you know, you may, your barn or your refrigerator and stuff may be full and you see another sister or brother, you know, trying to make ends meet and you got enough to share and you decide, 
I ain't going to tell them I got enough food. I'm going to just let them keep talking about how they struggling to get some food. That that kind of uh, thinking, and, and when it says you're going to be tested, you're going to be tested through God in, in other ways, too. But just those simple little things that you don't think about, the lack of sharing and the lack of showing some love when somebody is down and out. Have mm. mercy. Anyone else thoughts about that? That the test is coming to every soul? Well, he tests us to save us. Um, those tests are meant to increase our faith, strengthen our faith, and make us more dependent on him. Mm -hmm. And how would God know unless everybody's tested? But he would know, but who wouldn't know unless they're tested? The person that's being tested doesn't know. You know, when you think about it uh, in your everyday life, you think you've got, just say you've got enough money saved up, for example, or you've got enough uh, uh, insurance on your home or car, or you have enough friends. But then when the time uh, happens that you have a financial crisis, you realize, man, I don't have enough. Or when your car gets damaged, man, I don't have enough insurance to cover this. Or when you need some friends, man, I don't have enough friends to help me to, to take care of this issue I got. So again, like Paul is saying, those testing times come to strengthen us. It's an opportunity for us to build our faith, to get stronger in the Lord, so that when we really are tested, that's when we're going to need it. And you know, the Bible talks about the little trials that we go through. They're nothing more than small inconveniences compared to what's going to happen later in life. So if we can't, if we can't handle the little tests, how are we going to handle a big tests? And if we can't well, handle a bigger test, how are we going to handle the time of trouble? Go ahead, Paula. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Uh, thank you for summarizing that. Um, but also just can't, came to mind that those tests are not only there to strengthen our faith, but it's also a testimony to others and bring others closer to, to God. So when their test comes, they can be, be prepared as well. So it's, a, it's amazing how God works. The more the oppressor presses us down, the more the enemy comes at us, and the more our faith grows, the wider our testimony. Now, how is what you, how is what you go through a testimony to others? Um, when you reveal what's an uh, issue in your life, and we all have to remember that those testimonies aren't about us. A lot of people, I don't want to tell my business. I get that because that's a way of protecting yourself because we live in an imperfect mm -hmm. world. But that testimony, we got to remember, it's not about us. That testimony is about Jesus, what he did. If I don't say, hey, I, I have uh, illness and now God healed. Your phone kind of cut out, Paula. While she's coming back, I was going to say, Lee, mm -hmm. one of the things about testimonies is I might not have the exact same problem somebody else has, but in listening to how they handled it and how they prayed, uh, it might not even be the same prayer, but the principles behind giving it to God and learning how to lean on him are there. 
And those are the things that I think we learn most in testimonies is how God uh, fixed it, how he solved the issue, how he was the one. It wasn't that we went to our father, our mother, or our boss, or our cousin. We went to Jesus. And so that's what teaches us in anybody's testimony is the fact that go to Jesus is the principle that we learn. Go to him. He is the answer to any problem, be it right or left or up or down. He is the solution to, to every problem. So I think that's one of the biggest things we learn um, from other people's testimony is, and some things can you can really relate to. You might not know somebody else is going through the same thing you just came out of. So mm-hmm. to know that you came out of it on the other end and you just held on to the Lord, that's another principle. Hold on to Jesus. Um, he'll see you through just like he saw me through. So I think that's one we, thing we can learn from other people's testimonies. I appreciate that. You know, that's you never know what people are going through. And like Paula was saying, a lot of times we keep it private what we're going through. You know, that's my business. I ain't put my business in the street. But I like the way she pointed out the testimony is about Jesus. The testimony is about the power of God in your life. The testimony is about the goodness of the Lord. It's not about you. So when you tell a testimony, don't look at it like you bragging. If the Lord bless you with a job, don't look at it like that's bragging. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I don't like to give testimony because I don't like to brag. It ain't about you. As Paula pointed out, it's about God. Tell somebody how good God is. Let somebody know how God has blessed you and how he can bless them as well. You know, I, those are both excellent comments. I appreciate that. Very nice. Uh, and we have to remember, too, whenever you have an opportunity to tell about the goodness of God, don't sit there and be like a bump on the log. Let somebody know how God bless you. Like you said, Andre, tell how I got over, not through my own strength, but through the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of our Savior. So it's always, whenever people say, uh, we always, when we when we have the kids, we always have morning worship and we'll sing that song, who has a testimony, who has a testimony, who has a testimony for Jesus. And then they can't wait to raise their hand and tell something good that God has done for them. You know, and we need to be that way. Whenever we have prayer meeting and they ask for testimonies, jump in there. You know, be the first one to testify to the goodness of God. When the, when the floor opens up during uh, Sabbath service, maybe sometimes, and the opportunities there to give a testimony, be the first one to say, look what God has done for me. You know, don't sit back and be all scared and, well, I don't want to brag and I don't want people to get mad because the Lord blessed me. You know, if you get mad because God's blessing somebody, you're the one with the problem. It's not them. And, you need and to talk Elder Carroll, does it? That. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Doesn't doesn't it say in I think it's Revelation fourteen twelve here lies the uh, patience of the saint and that they have the testimony of Jesus Christ and so if if people don't know that you have a testimony to lift up Christ how do they know that you're even a child of God mm. you sitting oh, back set, you you sitting back you know not saying you know he's 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 in the blessing business. He's still in control because some people, you know, they may have given up and said, you know, there's nothing, in, there's nothing 
and, and, and I think in terms, I think of the young people, you know, trying to commit suicide. If they don't hear about a testimony about Christ and what he can do, because you have a lot of older saints now, and I give it to them. They, they are telling the young people, look, the, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, God will accept you if you come with a sincere heart. And they need to hear some testimonies that life wasn't always easy for your grandmother or your grandfather. They had their struggles, but they held on. And without them hearing those testimonies, some some of them just think, oh, you know, these people never had no problems. You know, they just went around. They had everything they wanted in life. And when they find out how God gave you step for step and took you through things that you had to learn from and that the Holy Spirit stayed with you, they, they, young people, they understand those testimonies when you're being sincere. Amen. Amen. And I found Matthew 10, 33 says, but whomsoever shall deny me before men, him I shall also deny before my father, which is in heaven. Hmm. Hmm. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> so when we had the opportunity to tell about God's goodness, let it go. Tell somebody, look how God blessed me. And, you know, God blesses us all in different ways. He might bless someone physically with an illness. You know, he might be uh, with uh, recovery from illness. He might bless someone financially with recovery from debt or being able to pay somebody what you owe them or whatever. He might bless you mentally with a good mental uh, capacity. He might bless you socially with some different friends he ran into or uh, uh, someone that you met. So God blesses us in many different ways. We, we tend to just look for financial ways, you know, but look at all the different ways God can bless you. Many ways. One of the, one of the most uh, ways that God has blessed me that I'm so thankful for is just with peace. I tell you what, if you have peace in your life true peace yes. where you know things are still going on around you but it just don't seem to impact you in a negative manner like it does many other people who are suffering with nervous problems or stress related illness if you have been blessed with the peace of god that's something to be thankful for so he amen. blesses us in a multitude of ways amen it's funny that you said that, Lee. I think Amen. about when I was talking to my son about how to uh, value a job. I said, you can go look for something that can pay you some serious money and you'll value that, but it brings a lot of stress. So how valuable is that? So yeah. you need to find something in the middle where you have enough to take care of your, your household bills and, and different things for your family but also give you a measure of peace because you can make $75 an hour. Great. You got plenty of money to do a lot of stuff, but you might be on call all the time. So you can't even get no rest at night because they're calling you in the middle of the night and, or the, the, the type of work that you're doing is not going to give you the peace. So peace mm -hmm. is, and, and, and I remember when I was trying to uh, negotiate my pay at the federal reserve and I didn't think they were paying me enough. And then they wanted to bring up um, all the benefits. Well, these benefits are this and this benefits are that. Well, another benefit is peace. How much yeah. peace can you have on this job? Because it's very, very valuable. So I'm glad you brought up peace. Yeah. Any well, you know, thoughts? I tested, we, I made a comment today at church when the pastor asked us for a comment. I said, 
you know, people find that, that you know, like I said, I went to the gas station yesterday and it was so backed up. And I assumed, I was like, all these people want gas. So when they said, who's here for the lottery? And, and I, everybody looked and I said, I just want gas. So people was like, oh, you go on, girl. But I said, I thought in terms of these people that get this lottery, now you got one in 200,000 chances. And I'm like, they think when they get this money, there's happiness. They're going to have peace to do this and that. And when you see them interviewing some of them people after they get that and they want it, some of them people be like, I wish I had never won that. I found I got more relatives than I ever had. This organization wants the money. It's like it's it's not a peace for them. It's a headache for them. (laughs) They thought they won the lottery, huh? That's just sad, you know that people would put so much. And uh, that's pretty interesting that they was lined all up for the lottery, not gas. But you see that happen when the lottery gets up so high, everybody flocking, buying 10, uh, 20 tickets, $200 worth of tickets, people banding together to buy thousands of dollars worth of tickets for something that is, the odds are so far from you ever winning. It's astronomical, your chances of winning that. But do you know, Everyone who accepts Jesus will be saved. That's a hundred percent. It's a guarantee from the Lord. Whosoever will, the scripture says, whosoever will believeth in Christ shall inherit eternal life. It's a hundred percent if you accept him. But That's people really- rather just throw all their money off on uh, one in a trillion chance of winning, you know, and then it's just heartache if you're not careful. Go ahead, Karen. I really like the way you put that, Lee. It's like it's a guaranteed win if you accept Christ, but it's a mm-hmm. almost guaranteed loss if you play in the lottery. <laughs> but millions of people do it. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the good thing about that lottery, if there is good, is that it shows you the power of working together. And we're constantly stressing that in stewardship. If we can just work together, we can accomplish much. But it's so, as we had read earlier, it's too many people being selfish-minded, too many people out there thinking that they are independent of God. And when we think that way, we don't work together in unity, you know, and, and we end up suffering because of it. But if we can just ever see the blessings of putting our stewardship power together, the church would never lack. The church would never lack if people can just get hold of the principle of systematic benevolence, just constantly, systematically returning an honest and faithful tithe and offering to God's work, the work would never lack. There would be so much in God's house that we would be forced to share it with others. Now, that's a good thing. Remember when the Israelites were bringing money to the temple and finally they had to tell them, stop bringing all this money. We got too much. Wouldn't that be a problem to have? Hmm. Yeah. Let's go down to the next paragraph. It says the time is not far distant, as we had talked about, when the test will come to every soul. Everybody's going to be tested. And I thought this was interesting. This next sentence it says, and this time the gold, the gold will be separated from the dross where? In the church. In the church, it ain't talking about dross out in the world. The gold will be separated from the dross 
in the church. How come there's dross in the church? What does this mean anyway, dross? I thought in terms that there's not, that, that we're not on one accord. And I thought in terms of when it says the goal will be separated, those that are truly seeking to do God's will. And, you know, you always have those opticals, but you think they're going to come from outside the church. And sometimes you have those people from the inside that, and then, and I guess my example would be like, you know, maybe somebody says, I think we should start a new ministry. Maybe we should do this. And there, it's, you know, there's some people in the church that be like, well, let's give it a shot. But then you have other ones. Oh, no, I don't think that's going to work. But you haven't given it a chance. You haven't given it a chance. If God is going to put it on that person's heart and, and you sit down and other people, you know, is listening and say, I think, you know, that would be good. Then the Holy Spirit is leading. And, you know, even if you disagree with it, you know, be willing to, to give it a chance. To have an open mind for God's new ways of doing things. I also oh, think the Lord works on or works with your efforts. If you don't know if this is going to work, but you're willing to try, I think the Holy Spirit aids in your success and he might turn it into something else. But if you're just sitting on the pews, you can't do nothing with that. Get out in the street and try something and watch Amen. him work. Amen. Mm-hmm. I, looked at Amen. I looked up Dross and it said um, something regarded regarded as worthless or rubbish. Does that fit here, Lee? Yeah. You know, the whole point yeah. is um, the scripture Ooh, tells us about that, that God is going to try his people like gold tried in the fire. Mm. And when you put gold in the furnace, then what happens is the gold is, is more, uh, more sure. sustainable in the fire than the dross. So the dross gets separated because it's useless and worthless. And they pour that out, and then all they have left is the pure gold. And that's how God is talking to us in those terms. When he sifts and shakes the church, then the dross will be shaken out and poured out, worthless, useless, good for nothing. But that which remains will be the pure gold tried in the fire. Amen and amen. Yeah, and true God. You know, another. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Another no, thing, ahead. I you know, I kind, I kind of looked at, you know, it was raining this week. And I know, you know, that, you know, people don't like to go out in the rain. But my thing was, if you're going to if you're going to sit on three, over 2000 tracks and, they're, and then you take them to the church and they just sit there. Why not ask for a stack of tracks to go out and do something with them instead of them just sitting there? So, did you ask for them and they won't give it to you, or are they just... No, the the individual that had them, you know, I always, you know, try to call and say, you know, do you got any tracks? And they always say, I I left them at the church, but that individual ordered two and three thousand of them, and he just left them set. So, when you call, you know, at the church, like like I said, I always call Elder Thomas, and she's like, I'm putting a bunch of them in my car, so she'll meet you somewhere. And she'll give you plenty of tracks to go pass out. But my thing of it is, you know, they, first, you, you know, people will come up with, you know, the weather is bad or this and that. And, you know, it's just excuses. But why are we letting tracks that somebody that God has put 
on somebody's heart. Maybe, you know, a track is something, you, you know, you lay down or you place it somewhere. Somebody may be blessed to pick it up and start reading it. And I thought, why leave that many tracks just sitting in one place and nobody's asking for it? And, you know, and I'm not saying our members don't ask for it, because I know I do. I can only speak for me. But I don't understand that concept. If I'm going to order two or 3,000 tracks, and then I'm just going to say, I ain't going to pass them out. And even, even if it's not raining, I just don't feel like it. I just think that's the craziest thing I can think of, because I'm like, don't we want something in people's hands? You know, the devil can put music and stuff in their hands. Why can't we put God's words in somebody's hands? I'm going to give a little testimony real quick. We Mm -hmm. um, were working with the homeless ministry a few years ago. And every time we would go to the store, we'd come home from work or whatever. I would always walk past these canisters of kerosene in the garage. And one day the Holy Spirit said, why are you walking into a warm home, leaving kerosene that could be given to somebody that needs a warm home? Stop just letting that stuff sit there. So I picked them up and went down uh, to the homeless shelter or the homeless area that had the little, I think they were called Tent City. Mm. And I went over to this one door and um, or one little uh, makeshift house that was put together. And I knocked on the lady's door and her name was Bonnie. And she said to me, I we just ran out of kerosene last night. And she said, and I got on my knees before I went to bed and said, Lord, please send somebody with kerosene. And here I am sitting with it. And these people needed it. But it goes back to he might not come when you want him, but he's right on time. So I praise the Lord pressing upon me to do that, to help these people out. Amen. And, you know, you gave two good examples, Andre. One, that we shouldn't allow resources to sit there when God has ordained them to be used for somebody's good. Right. So that was a good one. But you also mentioned about the lady saying that she had prayed. So that's another example of God having people everywhere. They might not be in church right now. They might not even look like they love the Lord, but you don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows where all his people are. So we got to keep that in mind too. And, and will you recognize that uh, Patsy brought up about tracks. Tracks were uh, tracks were devised for the purpose of spreading like the leaves of autumn. They should be going everywhere all the time, not just during end gathering season. All the time, those tracks need to be going out because God has promised His word will not go out from Him void. While we give out the track, the Holy Spirit will take care that somebody gets that message. It might not even be the person you gave it to. Maybe you give it to person A and they read it and put it on the table at lunch and somebody else comes by and reads it. Somebody else after that comes by and they hand it off to somebody. You never know where it's going to end up. Now, one of the things too, as you said, Patsy, why are you ordering these and then not involving the church in giving those out? Some kind of way you got many hands to help make light work. You don't order 2,000 tracks and then say, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I can't give all these out. No, you ask for some assistance. Ask to give the members the opportunity to share the word of God with others. One of the things that I like about tracks is they're small, usually kind of small, 
so I can put them in my utility bills. When I pay the bill, put in a track, boom. Somebody's going to see it. As soon as they open it, it's going to say, uh, do you love the Lord or do you have financial help or do you, do you, would you like divine healing or whatever it says? They can't help but see at least that part of it, even if they don't read the rest. And that's when the Holy Spirit can come in and say, hey, you just read that title. You need to see what that's about. Or, hey, your cousin needs to know about that. We never know where it's going to end up. But our duty is to just hand them out like the leaves of autumn. Many different ways to do it. The Lord will give you a wisdom on how to do it. But those are just little packets of dynamite, really, that can go out and do a good work for the Lord. Just more opportunities for us to tell about the goodness of God. So that dross, it's not just people out in the streets that don't know the Lord. There's dross in the church. And again, we don't, we don't want to sit there and say, oh, I bet brother so-and-so is dross. <laughs> you know? Or sister so-and-so, she looked like dross to me. That ain't our call. The wheat and the tares grow together, and the Lord himself will do the separating when that time comes. And it says, uh, because we don't know, I think, Andre, you mentioned it earlier, we don't know who uh, loves the Lord and who really don't. There's a lot of good actors in this world. And then those people that, that we admire sometimes, oh, so-and-so's a real Christian. Yeah, she really loves the Lord. She, Oh, she loves the Lord. And then here in our lesson, it says, many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will go out in darkness. Because when the fire hits that gold, it shows you're either pure gold or you just dross and you're good for nothing. And then it says, chaff like a cloud will be borne away on the wind. And it says, even from places where we only saw floors of rich wheat, again, letting us know we don't have that spiritual determination to tell who's going to be saved and who's not. To us, it looks like everybody in church is going to be saved. To us, it looks like everybody out in the streets is going to be lost. We don't have that type of judgment to be making. That's not our job. Our job is just to invite everyone to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen? Amen. 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 Yeah, we can be fruit inspectors. <laughs> yeah. I like Go ahead, Patsy. What'd you say? I said I never thought of it like that, but I like that. We can be fruit inspectors. <laughs> yeah, we can be fruit inspectors. We're not judges, though. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this always got me where it said many a star that we have admired for its brilliancy will go out in darkness because all of us have come up and we've heard some uh, unbelievable preachers and we've been around some terrific evangelists and we've seen people doing great works for the Lord, you know, uh, in, in his name. How can it be that those stars might go out in darkness? How can that happen? Well, well you know, we can, we can see history when there has been uh, so-called men that said Christ has led them. And look how they, and, I, and um, especially from Indiana, we done had a lot of uh, those so-called men that said Christ led them, and then they got people uh, forcing people to drink stuff to, to kill them all. And I'm like, but you know, they, like I said, um, and Jim Jones was one of them. 
I mean, he was very popular in the state of Indiana, going around yeah. just preaching about Jesus and everything. And I'm like, wow. Thought he was from California. But when he came to Indiana, he got a lot of support. I mean, people was flocking up to Indianapolis to hear him at the big, I guess it was like a stadium, to hear him preach. And I mean, you would have thought that he, that he was God himself. Hmm. Mercy. Any other thoughts, Karen? Did you have a comment on that? Um, I was just going to say, I remember the story about a pastor and he was, oh, he was on fire. Preacher was on fire. I was like, but then when he got on his deathbed, he just, he just kind of lost his faith. And somebody asked him, he said, well, what about all those sermons you preached? And he said, yeah, I preached them, but I never believed any of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so, and so, you know, it's a shame that you know, he might have preached some people into heaven, but, you know, he's not going to get that. He's not going to get their star in his crown, you know, because he didn't believe it himself what he was preaching. He didn't believe in himself. That's that is interesting. Very interesting. And then you look at some of these big time preachers on TV, not to say that, you know, money has corrupted them. But, you know, you you kind of if you ever listen to some of those sermons. When are they going to talk about being, you know, being uh, righteous for Jesus? They'll bring up, you know, to stay happy and Jesus loves you and everything just to get the money. But what about actually having people to do some soul searching to see if they are, you know, if they're living what God has asked them to live? And, and they don't and I don't you know, I don't very often hear them talking about if you're, you know, that sin is sin and, you know, you know, make sure that, you know, as you look at yourself, see what sins God is trying to get the, beat the wilderness out of you. But it's always about making people feel good so they can get their money. Mm. Now, you know, this is talking about um, dross in the church, stars that we've admired for brilliancy go out in darkness and chaff from what we see as floors of rich wheat because we don't have that type of judgment to see people's uh, true motives behind what they do, which is also why there's so many con men in the world, because human beings, we listen to how a person speaks, we look at them smiling, uh, we hear uh, the words, the nice words they speak, but that doesn't show us their true heart, it doesn't show us their true meaning, and human beings get swayed so easily just by what a person, uh, how they speak to them, or they have, oh, he have a nice smile, you know, yeah, but a whole lot of serial killers have nice smiles, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to be careful that we're not trying to judge people and say, this person is gold, this person's dross or whatever, because we just don't know. And again, that's why, like Paula was saying, that God allows trial and temptation so we can see we need to build up our faith and our trust in him because we can't really tell even ourselves, those trials are to show us, oh, you thought you were this far ahead, but you're really not, you know, and this trial is going to show you this is where you really are at, you know, so we have to be careful even with ourselves thinking that we are gold tried in the fire at this point. We are through God's grace, gold tried in the fire, but He's not through with any of us yet. 
And you know, elders, sometimes when you're when you're talking about Bible truth and you show people in the Bible, thus said the Lord, some of them will say, uh, that ain't what my pastor said. And I'm like, but you're reading it for yourself. So, you know, it, it, you do, we do have a world that depends on, you know, uh, like you said, people's status and what positions they have. Because, I mean, I've heard so many people say, yeah, I've had the experience when I've been talking with someone and showed them in the Bible, God's word, and they'll say, I'm going to ask my pastor. And I'm like, yeah. doesn't God tell you to study, like I think Andre or somebody said before, study to show yourself approved. Mm-hmm. But they it, it they they can see it in the word. But the first thing they say is, "I'm going to talk to my pastor and ask my pastor." Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> okay, I've just been listening, everybody. So I wanted to just uh, go back to what we said about the great lights going up. It's great because we think that they're great lights, but God knows all of our hearts. So this is a question mm-hmm. that I have. I wanted to throw this out before you, um, for that mm-hmm. thing. So, okay, you have the wheat and the tear, right? And they're supposed to grow together. My question to the, for the class for consideration is, is wheat always wheat and is tear always tear or can tear become wheat and wheat become tear? What do you think? Good question. Any thoughts on that? Can Are wheat always wheat? Or can wheat become tear or tear always tear or can tear become wheat? I think my response to Karen's question is I go back to think when they say once saved, always saved. Now, just because you got baptized and maybe, you know, you do have people that backslide. So I think her question was very relevant in that you do you you can be a wheat. Now, if you stop studying and you stop trusting in God, you're not going to be a week too long. And then you start criticizing everything that is done for God and the people that's trying to do it. You are then turning from a week, you're going into a tear. And eventually, you know, you weed yourself away from the, the, the people that God has placed around you as far as Christians and as far as, you know, people that can help you grow, you just walk away from it. So, you know, I do believe there's, there's times when you do have some wheat, and as we get closer to the end of time, I believe some of the wheat's going to turn into tarry, and God says that he, there's still sheep out there that he's going to bring in. So what about the ones that's in? Are we going to stay put if we're not studying and we're not, we're not uplifting God? We're not going to be in there. We're going to be shaken out, and we're going to become a tear. You know what, Sharon? Uh, yeah. I'm leaning towards um, tear is tear, and weed is weed. Amen. And I believe that we're on this pathway, this journey. And as we go on this journey, it becomes more are, evident what we really are. Yes. It can become more evident, and sometimes it may not. Think about Judas, and he was with the disciples, and looking at him, he probably was pretty pious, and it and it looked like he was concerned about the poor people and everything, but he was never sincere. It was never real. So only God knows. Let me throw something out there too. I think about the parable that basically talks about 
someone coming at the 11th hour. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, the, I think it was the people working in the fields where some people worked all day and got the same amount yeah. of pay than the people that came and worked for the last hour. They got the same pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because you weren't in the field all day working does not mean you weren't a wheat. You might've came late and got in. And I will mm-hmm. always say, if I'm the last one in and I slid in before the gate, gates closed, at least I got in. <laughs> at least I got in. I might be the last one. Amen. But uh, mm-hmm. so I just, I, that thought came to my mind when we talk about that, because they might've looked like a tear all their life. And at the last mm-hmm. hour, they came on in as we. They might've been weak the whole time, but what we looked at, because they weren't where we thought they should be. They weren't in mm-hmm. Sabbath. They right. weren't on worship. worship. They uh-huh. might have been somewhere different on the Sabbath, than, and we didn't see them. You know, we we have a tendency to think the po- people that are carrying the Bibles and coming to church early every Sabbath morning are the people that we need to pattern ourselves after. And I had to learn when I saw that same person somewhere else doing something else, and that fruit didn't look the same as it should have looked. I was like, oh, here I am trying to pattern myself after somebody that's always got this Bible, but who said they were even opening it? They got it. Have mercy. So we don't know what we're looking at, really, to be hey, honest. Hey, uh-huh. can, you, can you guys hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's an interesting question, but the answer, I'm with Sister Lakita. Uh, you got to look at the context of what the scripture is is saying and what is who it, whom it is speaking of we know the differential between wheat and tear okay god has given us the intelligence through you know the bible to um understand and also to discern who they are when you look at the end time message um uh, God said that everybody that says Lord, Lord to him, you know, uh, it's not going to make it in. And then God tells us through the scriptures that, okay, there's going to be some saying in that day that did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not do these wonderful works in your name? And then when you get to Revelation, you know, and Revelation talks about uh, similar things that's going to be taking place, you know. And then in Second Timothy, the Bible warns us. He says that they have a form of godliness. So when you look at the condition of someone's heart, when we talk about... Um, the test of time that's going to be met. You're not going to be able to keep up that disguise in the last days. Let me tell you why. Because when God's judgment or when the final stages of probation is closed, the Bible says this. It says that God is going to say it is finished. And he's going to say that those who are righteous, let them be righteous still. Those who are holy, let them be holy still. And 
we know unrighteous and unrighteous there and those who fail to you or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So when we look at the two, you are not going to be where well, I was a weed at one time, but now I'm a tear. I was a tear at one time. Now I'm a weed. No, that is not accurate. That is not something that we should ever teach. It's a good thought, a food for thought of training our minds. But God sees the condition of everybody's heart. And you're going to be categorized on one side or the other. I hope that clears those things up without me continuing to take time. Thank you. He did, Elder Tory. Thank you. I'm glad you cleared it up because I was on the wrong spot. (laughs) Now, here's a thought, too, on the same vein. Think about it like this. You have a farmer, and the farmer has two seeds. He knows one's a wheat, one's a tear. He plants them in the ground. They start germinating. Uh, people come by and take a look at it and say, oh, those are two of the same plants. They grow up. The plants start germinating. They start growing. They still look similar. They look similar for a long time. They continue to look similar. You can't tell the difference. Is that a wheat or is that a tear? Then finally, one of them sprouts a wheat germ or wheat uh, bud. The other one spouts a tear. And now you can see, oh, wow, this one was a tear all along. And this one was a wheat all along, but they look the same. I couldn't tell them apart. So think about this way. God is the farmer. He already knows the wheats from the tear. He knows it. We don't know it. They can look the same to us. Think about Paul. For most intense, Saul, when he was Saul, everybody thought he was a tear. He turned out to be a wheat. Everybody looked at Judas. Oh, he must be a wheat. He turned out to be a tear. Patsy's example, Jim Jones. People thought he was a wheat. He turned out to be a tear. So God knows the difference between the wheat and the tear. And as far as he's concerned, yeah, you're a wheat and you're a tear at birth. He knows where you're going to go. But for us, the wheat and the tares often look the same. And that's why we're not called to judge because we're going to make a big mistake determining who's wheat and who's tear. So we have to be very careful that we don't call ourselves judges of who's wheat and tear because only God knows. And he says, just let them grow together at the end. I'll separate them. Not our job to separate them. But it's always good to uh, have those type of discussions because it helps us to recognize our limits in in this plan of salvation. God expects us to hand out those uh, tracts to reach people with Bible studies, to preach and teach and talk about the second coming to everybody, regardless of whether we are guessing if they're a wheat or a tear. And then he'll do the separating at the end. So when I hear people say, somebody going to take your crown, no, they're not. If I don't get one, I never mm-hmm. had one. And, <laughs> and the thing about God knowing, him knowing who's wheat and tear, it does not affect our free will to make decisions. And that's a hard concept, too, for people to understand. So we won't go into all that today. Uh, Karen, what's our uh, for next week? Hello, Karen. 
Are you there? Are you there? Don't be no. Yeah, I'm sweat. here. I'm sorry. I was on mute. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay. We are in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, and uh, Chapter 104. And we are starting with, um, let's see, and Lee, you always correct me, but um, I, I believe at paragraph 599.1, starting with this dream. Uh, that's where I'm showing. Are you showing something differently? Let's see what I've got. I have us at chapter 104, and it's paragraph 599.1. Yeah. Okay. First so out, this dream gave me some encouragement. Yep, that's it. Okay. okay. So we shall meet again then next week. And yes. Patsy, would you offer a closing prayer for us, please? Yes, I will. Everybody bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the breath of life. Lord, we thank you for bringing us together that we may lift up your name, but we may learn, Lord, from each other as we go out and share it, as you have asked us to go plant the little mustard seed that you and the Holy Spirit would water and grow it. Lord, we just thank you for brothers and sisters that are willing to give us a clear focus, a clear view as we have studied. But Lord, we thank you for bringing us together as a family, as united as for your call to lift you up and to praise your name on this earth. We ask that you would save each and every one of us and continue to protect, put a shield of protection over each and every one of us, our families, and forgiveness of our sins, our inequities, and our transgressions, that our hearts may be clear and cleaned and renewed in you and only through you. And we will be careful to give you the praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, everyone, for your participation. You had a good time. Everybody have a happy Sabbath. Bye. All right.